0: Uh, this is mostly my quarantine beard. Uh, uh, the wife is not real happy with it, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we get out of it and how long we're in this for. So
1: I, we'll see I can't bring myself thick. to do it. I have to shave every like two to three days. It's, I can't do the the, the scruff and stuff like that. Just doesn't work for me. Um, nice. but, yeah. My mom,
0: my mom, yeah.
1: go for
0: it. Uh, I say my mom uh, quickly pointed out uh, that she saw a few grays in it, so but that's all. <laughs> Process.
1: You know, I, I wish I had enough hair. That's the reason why I wear a hat all the time. I wish I had enough hair to actually uh, have gray hairs, but I'm 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 going bald right now. So I I, I wear the hat all the time. I just I, yeah, <laughs> that's,
0: I cut my hair for you today.
1: Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, uh, in case you guys haven't seen the scrolling name at the bottom, uh, we are here with Coach Brian Winnie. Um, Brian, great to have you. You as um, well.
0: Thanks for having me. Awesome.
1: Yep, yep. Um and uh we're going to talk today about a lot of things. You're 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 heavily involved in a lot of coaching right now. I know you help with Kenosha. you do with you help the Bandits, you're with the Admirals and uh, you even do some coaching for me with the Hockey Factory as well. Um so you you wear a lot of hats and you play a lot of roles. Um but before we get into your coaching history, can you give me a little bit of background in your playing history?
0: Yeah, sure. So I am a Madison guy by nature Uh, I grew up playing my youth hockey in Madison uh, with the Madison Patriots for the most part Uh, I did start my learn to skate uh, or devos depending on how people are looking at it with the old Westmoreland Saints that I don't believe uh, exist anymore but I have seen a few pictures of myself in a Saints jersey when I was little but uh, but grew up for the most part in the Madison Patriot organization And I had a lot of great times playing there, uh, playing at Hartmire. I was fortunate enough to spend a number of my years playing for Bob Suter um, off that 80 Olympic team. So I grew up with him and uh, his boys, who a lot of the viewers may recognize him or or, or know the the family of sorts. So, uh, yep, grew up through Madison. And then I went on to play my high school years at Monona Grove High School on the east side of Madison. And then after that, I was... Lightly recruited, I will call it, and went to go play my college hockey at Lawrence University up in Appleton, which is where I was lucky enough to meet you.
1: Yep, yep, yep. We were, uh, we, we, you were a senior when I was a freshman, and so I learned a lot of stuff from you, and that's one of the reasons why I'm happy to have you on right now. I don't even know if you remember it, but uh, with our house and things like that, you were considered my like, I think it was, uh, we were in that like. I think they called it a family or something like that with with our fraternity. Yeah. But uh, um, you were in that with me, so you were you were a guy that really helped me along the process like that too, and um, kind of welcomed me into Lawrence and things like that too. So thank you for that. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, uh, like I said, you have you wear a lot of hats with coaching. Uh, can you give us some, yep. some of your coaching history and where you're currently coaching right now?
0: Sure. So I actually started coaching and kind of got my my feet wet a little bit during some of the summers of college. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was was working uh, back in Madison, uh, doing other side summer jobs a lot of college kids did. And then uh, I don't even know how I got into it, but somehow myself and a handful of friends, we ended up coaching uh, a few teams in a summer league over at uh, MIA on the west side of Madison. Uh, I don't even remember what age. I think it was maybe Pee-wee's, maybe Pee-wee's Bantams. Yeah. And um, I was coaching a team, and I had friends coaching another team. I maybe had, I don't know, the blue team or the yeah. yellow team or something like that, and it was just kind of a, a, a Madison league of sorts that just played maybe a handful of games in the west side. So that's where I got my first taste of it. And then from there, um, you know, I really didn't do a whole lot after college. Uh, I did not have kids right away. Um So I I really kind of hung up the skates for about four or five years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I got back into it, got back into playing men's league a bit. Then, of course, I ended up having kids. And uh, once the kids came on, then I started um, getting back into it pretty heavily. Uh, I did not jump into it lightly in a sense. I ended up helping out with some of the Devo programs uh, in Kenosha and then Mm -hmm. quickly came to uh, work with the – uh, uh, Wisconsin Jets, which for the people that don't know who the Wisconsin Jets are, they are the AAU program that runs out of uh, the Kenosha Ice Arena and kind of sister program with the Kenosha Comets. So I uh, worked there as a, a coach for the first year, and then I became the hockey director there for the last four or five years, something like that. Uh, I, I gave up that role uh, last year as I, I just moved on to other things and, and didn't have the time to, to focus my dedication there. Um, that was through the Wisconsin, you know, through the Wisconsin Jets. that I coached a couple years at the Kenosha Comets, and then after that, uh, I became, as I kind of deemed it uh, in some of my bio, special assistant uh, with some of the Vernon Hills Ice Dogs. Helped help them where uh, where needed uh, with a lot of the players, still helping them occasionally. Uh, but during that whole time, I also uh, helped found the Wisconsin Bandits. Uh, which is a development group very similar to what Hockey Factory is just in the southeast part of the state and and whatnot. So uh, we work with that group a lot and a lot of kids in the area. Uh, I think we have something about five or six different organizations that work with us or that we work with throughout the year um, and whatnot. Uh, From there, uh, this last year, uh, I helped out with the 0-9 Milwaukee Junior Admirals. Uh, I helped out a lot with the de- defense and goalies, and then also, uh, which it wasn't really in the in the plan or the works, I became uh, one of the assistants on the Kenosha Thunder high school hockey team. Okay, and, so, and that's I, it. I mean,
1: that's a lot of teams, correct? Yeah, say that again. <laughs> that's 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 it. That's how, I mean, that, there, that's a ton of teams right now, right?
0: Yeah, well, they don't. the The admirals and the high school team overlap uh, for the most part. Uh, my youngest son is on the on the admirals team, and, yep. and uh, the high school team works out mostly just with my schedule. I work at home a fair amount with work regularly, not obviously with this quarantine, but I work from home a lot. And the rink is just a couple of miles from my house, so I was able, able to uh, to work from home, head over to practice, and then often headed up to Milwaukee for uh, the other practice right afterwards.
1: Isn't it interesting as you get into coaching and, and stuff like that, like where where you find the time to coach all the teams that you do? I mean, like, you've just listed off a plethora of teams. Like, it's, it's just amazing yeah. how people find the time.
0: Yeah, I, um, I'm i not home a lot during the winter. Uh, I get home, it seems like, a lot of games or a lot of nights at 9, 10. Yeah. Uh, luckily my wife is very accepting of that, uh, the hockey season, yeah. and so I do my best to make sure that uh, um, I do get to spend the time at home. And, and most importantly, my daughter, who, who doesn't get to see me a lot, I make sure we go out on a, a good amount of daddy-daughter dates during the hockey season, because she doesn't get uh, a ton of dad time during all the winter.
1: Awesome. Well, with all the teams you coach, uh, we asked this question quite a bit, but can you give me the first five minutes of your practice?
0: Yeah, on a, on a typical practice, so I, I, so if I, if I back up one, you know, I'm, I'm an assistant on most of these, co- these yeah. teams. I'm not head coaches, which allows me a little bit yeah. more flexibility than maybe the head coach. Um, but when I, when I have been the head coach on a few of yeah. them, uh, I have often led with uh, some of the things like Coach Ruley said in your last yeah. interview, and make sure the coach's stuff is planned ahead of time, make sure mm-hmm. that practice is ready. Uh, even when, as far as, uh, taking my team, making sure they were ready to go and dress for practice five or 10 minutes beforehand yep. so that we could go into, uh, so when we hit the ice, you know, we were ready to go and yep. we weren't, uh, delaying or kind of messing around and that way we could go from drill to dr- drill pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we actually got on the ice, my first five minutes a lot, I left as complete free time. And yep. and what I mean by that is I really encourage kids to get uh, a puck on their stick and go do, Really, whatever they want. Yeah. Um, go ahead, fun. Go practice on that, that drop pass between the legs to your buddy. Uh, that sweet dangle you've been working on or you saw on YouTube. Um, you know, we'll have the goalies, maybe the goalies step in net. If we have multiple goalies, maybe one's and have the other goalie kind of stick handling and skating around. Really, the only uh, restriction I had on the kids was you had to keep your feet moving, you had to yeah. keep skating. So I wanted them to really kind of use their brain and be creative and. and have fun with it. Um, And then a lot of that started with um, one of my high school buddies and one of my best friends in the state, uh, Jamie and I, we would go through at the beginning of our high school practices and really just pass to each other. I mean, they were, they were goofy passes, things that never really happened in the game, Um, but it made me more comfortable for that. And so uh, when I got into coaching and, and and I was learning from a lot of other coaches, I really liked the way that um, allowed, uh, the kids to think and kind of grow up. So yeah. that's a lot of what I do in my first five minutes is, is given that freedom yeah. uh, also gives them, especially on the younger side, cause I do coach a lot of the younger kids outside of high school. So it gives the kids a few minutes to burn off that uh, I call it locker room energy. Yeah. Cause I know uh, you think when the kids get into the locker room, especially the younger ones that they've not uh, talked to anybody during the entire day. And they need to talk to everyone and get every conversation in, in the 15, 20 minutes that they're in there. Before yep. we get on the other so it uh definitely brings the the attention span yep. uh back into things. So, how about you? Uh, you know, I, I haven't uh got to see a lot of your individual practices. How do you start off your first? <laughs> Nothing like being put on the spot.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know,
0: I, I'm always uh, learning, I, I like to know.
1: Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm glad you brought it up because it's it's one of the things that it's one of the reasons why I, I always ask the question and I always try to get that from my coaches because um, I love learning what coaches do out there. And, and I value the first five minutes of practice. Like to me, that first five minutes of practice, like it sets the tone for the rest of the practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And and for that most part, it sets the tone for the next practice as well. Um, For me personally, though, when I get on the ice, it's all about moving excitement you know, hustle um, and things like that. Um, I like that you said you, you allow your kids the freedom to do things like that. That that brings excitement, allows them to want to get out of the locker room. And for me, that's where the first five minutes of practice is the most important because we want the kids ready to go when they get on the ice. And not only do we want them ready to go, but we want them to know that for the next twenty, 30, you know, twenty to fifty minutes, it's going to be hard work. It's going to be fun, but um, but yeah, I love I love getting the kids out there, moving and excitement. Um, but the one thing that I always find interesting about the first five minutes of practice, and it's, it's something as, as a coach, you hear other coaches talk about, and I kind of like, you know, shake my head sometimes when I, when I talk to coaches, They say, Oh, the kids were dead today. Uh, They didn't have it, you know? And I understand sometimes kids have, you know, extracurricular things that they'll be on their mind for practices and stuff like that. But generally it's not all 15 of them or 16 of them are, are having something outside of it. So I always tell coaches and and stuff like that, it's about preparation that first five minutes. Because if you want a good practice, that first five minutes starts with two things. And it starts with the preparation, um, you know, of your demeanor in the locker room with the kids, how you are in your first five minutes when you get on the ice. Do you have like the side lean going, you know, like just leaning on the bench, talking to your other coaches, you know, talking about your day and things like that. Because if you're not setting the tone for your kids, then they're not going to set the tone by themselves. So that's one of the reasons things I do is I want my kids moving. I want them excited, and I want to be moving yep. excited. If our coaches are moving and we're excited with the kids, that's why we play the, the coaches versus kids game because it gets us excited, yep. gets them excited, gets that tone set, excitement going, gets kids moving right away. Um, but the other uh, thing that I find it's important about the first five minutes of practice and not a lot of coaches think about is it's the, the first five minutes of your practice – is also dictated by the last five minutes of your interactions with the kids from the previous practice or game. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is a lot of kids, they're excited to come to the rink, they're excited to play, but if you leave your locker room from the last game and your demeanor is, is poor, where you're saying, you know, you know, like you better watch, you know, practice is going to be rough next game, you know, like kid doesn't want to come right. to that. You know what I mean? And that's where I think yep. that the preparation of, of, of letting the kids know that the practice we're going to is going to be exciting, it's going to be fun. And we're gonna work, like that's a term in the last five minutes of your last interaction with kids because they'll remember that. And if your last demeanor and your interaction with the kids are positive, it's ready to go, it's we're gonna be moving and fun. Then no matter what happened in that weekend's games or what happened to that last practice, they know that first five minutes <clears throat> is gonna be fast, it's gonna be fun, which will set the tone for the remainder of the practice. And that's why I always say your first five minutes sets the tone. Of the next fifty-five, one hour, whatever you have, and so if you want a good practice, set it in the first five minutes. So, um, a little long, long yep. way to go, but no, that's it's kind of what I have. Yep. But, and then give me a going off of that. Give me your your last five minutes
0: of practice. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, it, it kind of feeds into what you're saying. That you know, a lot of the tone and things of like that. I'll tend to read the practice, uh, try and see kind of where the kids are going with it. Um, if we've had a great practice, um, actually let me let me step back. Yeah. It also depends on what we have coming up that week and when that practice is. You know, if it's a if it's a Monday practice, we don't. You know, maybe we've got another practice on Wednesday. You know, the ending of that practice might be different than if it was a Wednesday, or Thursday practice. Mm-hmm. We have a game on uh, on Friday, Saturday, whatever it might be. Um, but they, they tend to vary in between um, something fun, you know, a game of some sort. Uh, that obviously incorporates uh, ideally something that we worked on earlier in the practice. Yeah. Otherwise uh, I'd like to put in some of the tech, the skating techniques towards the end of practice. Uh, I tend to look at that as, as more of a, look, w- our bodies are tired. Our brains are tired at this point. You know, what can we do now to kind of instill some of that good technique that, that maybe goes away when we're tired, when it's the third period and things like that. So um, occasionally we'll do um, uh, the things like edge work and, and lengthening that stride back out and things like that 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 maybe uh, uh, we kind of gave up or, or our bodies or their bodies tended to forget door, during uh, that practice and just kind of resets them um, as, as we head off the ice um, you know until the next next session.
1: Yep. Now uh, you gotta refresh my memory here because it's been about 15 years, but uh, the last five to ten minutes of, uh, of practice at college on Thursday nights, uh, with coach Rulli at lawrence we played lemon apple and orange do you remember that it was that shootout game where the winners got the orange uh the losers got the lemon uh how many times did you pull down the lemon?
0: Um <laughs> man. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the game, I'll be honest. You're putting me on the spot and I'm I'm not a good one for this. Uh this is what I usually default to our former teammate and friend Stu Manning. He's the one that has the, the memory like a steel trap
1: and
0: reminds me of these, these things. Um, uh, was it, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself sound bad here. Was the lemon the bad side? Yeah, was I was, bad. the lemon was
1: the bad one you didn't want. I
0: was probably on the bad side a lot. Um okay. I've, I've got hands of stone and, and uh, I, I found out as I get older and I try and do that, my, my brain thinks I've got hands of cane and yet they're, they're much, much worse than that. Sounds good. So um, I don't know, but I, I definitely was not on the, on the top of that. But, um, you know, I we had fun and you know, yeah. got a few biomes at the time. Nice. So.
1: Um, and then you brought up, uh, you know, when you grew up playing hockey and stuff like that and, um, can you give us an example, or, or or how much do you think the game has changed from when we played it growing up to where it's at right now?
0: Man, it's a there's a lot more skill involved <laughs> today. A lot more skill. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, uh, especially in the hands. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I I didn't I didn't have them. Um, I remember you were pretty solid when you came up, mm-hmm. um, but uh, just just the the, the pure skill. Yep. Uh, of these players and even you, you know like what we see today and what we even saw five years ago in the nhl it's completely mm-hmm. different uh but the, the pure skill is a lot different uh you know when i grew up checking was still a huge thing and mm-hmm. and a big thing and and that's kind of what i personally gravitated to when i was a player i was i was the uh the little guy who hit like a ton of bricks and um, had no fear of going after guys mm-hmm. and that's kind of where i made my money as a player yeah. uh, but we don't really see that today you know, it's it's the the physical aspect is in the game. Uh, obviously, USA Hockey has bumped that uh, physical piece up to the Bantam level, so it's another two years later than than when uh, when I did it, and probably yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's I can't say that's out of the game, um, but it's it's definitely less and less important uh, and, and focused on less. Um, whereas the skill uh, has gotten so much better, uh, and like I said, speed as well. You know, I, I was thinking about this when you kind of. You gave me a, a potential set of questions. One thing I don't remember ever doing as a as a player is I don't remember ever really working on a lot of edge work and and skating skills and things like that. Like when we became better skaters, it was it was hitting those summer camps. The you know the the Laura Stam, the Robbie Glantz, yeah. you know the uh, for the Madison guys, the guys heading to the Mark Johnson camps and things like that. Uh, that's where we did the power skating and the the mm-hmm. technique stuff. Um, but uh, that stuff was never really worked on. It was it was kind of basic drills, you know, here's five drills, this is what we're going to do for the practice, and, and that was about it. Um, and I think a lot of that's kind of shaped how I, how I work in some of that today. is I, I'm a details and a technique guy. You know, it's, I don't like to do drills for 10 minutes and, and just with the hopes of, hey, by the time they do it 10 times, they're going to get it right. I'd rather work on it five times and make sure it's right from time number one. Uh, as they go through it, it's, you know, it does, doesn't do a lot of good to do it wrong a 100 times when you only do it right to, uh, to be more efficient on some of those things. But that's a lot of what I see uh, in the game. It's just, just the pure skill and, and individual skill, for that matter, uh, is way better now than it's, than it's ever been by far.
1: Well, with the game evolving and becoming more individual skills, as coaches, we've had to evolve as well. We've had to go from less system practices, you know, orientated toward 2-1-2s and things like that. And our practices are getting more involved with individual skills. And as coaches, we're evolving, too, and and becoming better coaches. Uh, For your typical practices, though, uh, how much time do you, like, want devoted towards individual skills as opposed to team play?
0: Um, you know, I, I I don't know if it's an individual time period, but I think you need to have at least a third of the practice. I guess it kind of depends on the age level, right? I I think the the individual skill stuff is more important at the younger ages than it is at the older age. Um, again, that's with the hope that those older kids had that at the younger age, but, um, you know, that's something like, take take our high school team this year. A lot of that was, was kind of missing. There were some things out there that, that should have been worked on uh, when they were uh, younger skaters and things like that that we had to take a step back at and say, look, okay, we thought we were here yeah. with our, our, our knowledge and things like that, but we needed to step back and kind of revisit some of these to make this work better. You know, again, that's just, you can't run crazy systems or you can't run, you know, different, different strategies if, if you don't have the core skills. And that core yeah. skill in the individual stuff is is the skating and the stick handling and you know transitions and and crossovers and things like that and you know anyone that wants to jump into a practice and just quick run on gameplay and things like that like you're just not doing it right like you're not you're not gaining yeah. you're not gaining the thing. so
1: and that's, that's um, a great point it's a great great point you brought up about like you know having to take a step back because. That's one of the things that sometimes as you know as youth coaches in club hockey you get a new team almost every year you know depending on the age groups that go up in sports peewees and bantams and you have to change what you do every year and you can't just automatically jump into running systems things like that because sometimes as kids they don't have the skill sets to run what they're needed to be run um that's one of the things yeah. i find funny about you know coaches that are trying to implement systems you also you have to look at the talent level of your team before you can actually go out there and run a system if your team can't make a 10 foot yeah if, you, if your team can't make a you know a 10 foot pass very well then how are you supposed to run like a you know a breakout where you're hitting the far side winger like it, it's just yeah. not gonna happen right so look at yeah. the skill sets uh, and then after, and then once you start realizing what you want to do develop those skills before you start implementing the systems and you're gonna see a world yeah. of difference in those skaters.
0: Right. Um, and, and I'd also yeah. yeah I'd also add to that you know I've seen other coaches that have been coaching a long time and and they're they're great coaches they're they're great with individual things, but I've seen them where, where they've been coaching for ten years and like oh well here we are this is December fifteenth this is practice number twenty three we must be doing this yeah but if it, maybe this year you're you're on your booklet that says this is practice number twenty three but maybe the team's ability is where you were on practice number fifteen. Like that's yeah. that's just where you are and that's that's who they are and that's fine. Yep. But maybe they're beyond that. You know, maybe maybe the December practice that you think you're going to be running is what you actually thought you would be running in, in January. Like you gotta have the ability to adapt and change and and, and go with what your team has. You're just going by a, a a strict regimen of what you think is right or what you had done in the past, you can't you can't stick with that stuff. You have to be able to adapt as a coach. Um, And um, this season,
1: and you've talked about it, that you've had a lot of responsibility as an assistant coach on some of these teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you give me um, some of the roles and responsibilities that you think is good for head coaches to give down to the assistant coaches for practices?
0: So I think, I think it's important that um, you look at the assistant coach as a, as an equal in a sense yeah. um, they're just as engaged and just as involved yeah. in, in a lot of these uh, teams. And if, if you're a one man show, just kind of running things, I think you're missing out on, on grabbing a couple of things um, in, in the groups that I work with. It's trust is put into uh, the assistant coaches uh, you know, via the head coach or not to just run with what they believe that needs to be get done and, and what those players might need. So um, you know, I think I think their roles. You know, while it might be defined as maybe he's the offensive guy and you're the defensive guy and things like that, I think you need to all work together and kind of see what's out there. Uh, starting, you know, going back to, you need to be on the same page to begin with, because uh, if if you're not on the same page as a staff. You know, you're know you kind of your own mini-team within the team uh, to where you guys need to be understanding each other and, and preaching the same story. And then when you go out and you break into maybe the, the offensive coach, defensive coach, and even goaltenders for that matter, that you are teaching the same thing, and maybe you're seeing things different and whatnot. So um, I, I look at it as three equal coaches for the most part. The head coach is just kind of the guy that gets, uh, uh, gets to make the final decision and um, the one that gets to talk to the refs in the end.
1: So, and that's when I, when I coach my teams, I usually have two to three assistant coaches with me each time. And one of my big things with my assistant coaches is I let them know their roles going into each practice, going into each game, things I want them to look for, stuff like that. But I also expect a lot out of my assistant coaches the same, in the same ways what you said there. Like I expect my assistant coaches to make those calls to change things. With I I don't want to have to tell them all the time, Hey, you know, you know, change that D pair up or something like that. Like, uh for me, the role and responsibility of an assistant coach is like you said, I love the fact that they that they are equals to us. But the biggest thing is I want my assistant coaches to know that their their responsibility to make the changes. If they're seeing something in practice that's not working, say something. You know, don't just sit on the boards and tell me five minutes afterwards. Like jump in, get engaged, let me know now. Like that's yeah. one of my big pet peeves of coaching is, you know, after after something happens or after a game happens, like, again, yeah, that pairing wasn't working. And I would be looked down and like, why didn't you change it? You know, like, what are yeah. you doing? Like, yeah. you didn't see it was working. I wasn't paying that close attention. Change it next time. Like, come on now. Yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah. Well, There's other things, too. I mean, this this last year, I've seen, you know, on both the teams I was on on the bench for this yeah. year, a lot of it was, you know, there was – or I should say there's numerous times where even though – in fact, on one team I run the defense and the goalies, and the other team I run the forwards. I might see something as a defensive coach that the forwards are doing that the offensive coach didn't see, and it's, and it's communicating down the bench either direction. Hey, you know, did you see, uh, coach? Did you see, you know, so and sos is, yep. you know, constantly pivoting the wrong direction on their transition, um, you know, in the corners or something like that, and, and just letting them know because maybe they're not seeing it, maybe they are, maybe they're not. But um, you know, having that ability and being able to um, stepping in to work together and, and things like that. So Yeah. And it's funny
1: because that, that's also the sign of a good head coach, though, too, that he's able to take that, not criticism, but he's able to take that advice and he's able to uh, effectively communicate that to players or allow his assistant coaches that role and that freedom to do those things. Because that's one of the problems you mm-hmm. have seen with teams sometimes, that the assistant coaches, you know, they're, they're there just opening up a door or something like that. But a good head coach – has communication with his, co- his assistant coaches. He also allows them the opportunity and the responsibility to make those changes. So um, it's one of the great things about, you know, it's sometimes people say, I'm just an assistant coach. Well, no, you're a coach, man. You've got you to gotta act yeah. like one too. So, um, you know, uh, I want to talk a little bit about successful teams and things like that. Can you yeah. give me an example or, or a team that you've been on that's been successful and then tell me why that team was successful?
0: Sure. So um, when I thought about this, you know, the, the team that uh, came to mind first and foremost was my high school team uh, mm-hmm. and certainly my senior year. We were ranked second in the state. We had the whole undefeated record going. Um, ironically, as I was thinking about this, we did tie one team. And I, th- I think ironically it was a Fond du Lac team. Uh, mm-hmm. So in your, in your That's hood. There. Uh yeah, I think it was. I, I don't remember uh, who it was, but uh, if it was Springs or or someone else. But um, but we did tie a team, so I think we were like 21 and one or something like that. But okay. anyhow, uh, they, it was that team, and we were. I think we we're really successful um, because we had depth yep. and we've played together a long time. You know, uh, you mentioned it earlier. You know, a lot of the youth teams, you tend to only have the kids together for a year or two or every. Other, year depending on how things fall with birth years but we had uh a lot of kids in the community that skated together you know on the, mm-hmm. on, the on the east side of madison uh we grew up together uh we we're really good friends uh mm-hmm. not just teammates we we're really good friends outside of hockey we played hockey together we played soccer together we played tennis together we did we did everything together and so uh, by the time we hit high school you know and i think i, I think i played three years of uh high school hockey, um, we had been playing together for so long that uh, we knew so much about each other that we knew where we were going to be uh, on the ice when it happened. So uh, with that, we had a lot of depth with the team. Uh, we had our, uh, we had our top line scores. We had the guys that we counted on every game for goals with our secondary guys and our third line grinders and things like that. We had, we had all the roles filled. We had a solid D we had a uh, good set of goaltenders and things like that. So I think, I think it was the depth and the depth of the, was was really created and strengthened by us playing together a lot and, and being, and honestly, being really good friends outside of um, uh, outside of the rink. So where we knew each other and we hung out all the time and it was, it was just what we did as a group. So, and we're still, a lot of us are still really close friends here today. So
1: You think about, you go back even to even the like last season Stanley cup champion with the St. Louis blues and they were, they were mm-hmm. last place in January. And, the one thing you, know, you kept hearing about over and over and over and over again, it was that, one, they te- the team knew they were talented. But also it was the locker room, right? And how how close that locker room was and how all the guys looked out for each other, how they were all one unit, right? And I think that's kind of what you're getting at right now is that, like, you guys had that. You guys had the locker room. You had, you had the camaraderie. You had the boys all believing in one thing. And that is, that's, that's incredibly important when it comes to successful teams. Um, you know, and then absolutely, yeah, aside from, you know, having a a talent that makes a successful team, um, you know, you know, what one character thing do you look for to have that team? You know, if you couldn't have talent, what's the next thing you want of your team? Sorry.
0: Effort. Effort. You see it on, on course and stuff every day. I mean, I'll take, I'll take the kid that's going to work their butt off um all day long over over talent uh, and, and more importantly a kid that's coachable um, yeah. that's uh, coachability yeah. and, and effort are my my one and two uh, talent is is third and, yeah. and the best player to me is one that has all three okay. so um, those are those are absolutely the, the most important I, I I've seen over my my years of coaching here I've seen every bit of it. Every bit of it. I'll be honest. I don't know if I've ever seen mm-hmm. that perfect player. In my opinion, yet that's that's coachable. Right. Uh, that's 100% coachable. Um, you know, gives effort every single game, all time, and uh, and has the talent. So, um, yeah. and I think if you look out there, you'll see that those kids that do make it, you know, to the next level, after the next level, after the next level, are those kids that that have that, um, you know, those three primary traits. Um, you bring up effort. Actual.
1: Funny because. Effort's one of those things that allows kids not to quit, you know? And uh, have you ever ran into somebody or a team that just won't quit? Like, they're impossible to play against. They're hard, they're tough, and it's just like Mm -hmm. it's that effort that allows them not to quit that makes them impossible. And that's what, you know, if you don't have – I mean, if you're not the most talented team, but you have a team that competes and has the effort, and, and, you know, uh, you're going to go far. Um, um, As we're getting close to wrapping this up now – one of the questions we have is, as being a coach and being involved as many as many of the teams as you are, what's the most rewarding part about being a coach for you?
0: The most rewarding part, uh, I would probably say, is is when the kids when the light bulb goes off for the yep. kids, right? Um, when it's it's a bit of that aha moment, I kind of call mm-hmm. it, uh, where they see that success and and something that you've been trying to uh, preach to them all season long or, or all week long, whatever it is, and they they finally try it and it works. It's like oh, right, and they come back and they look at you and you and you ask them say, oh so so you did what we just talked about. I've been trying to get you to do for two weeks. Yeah, well, how did it work out? Good. And they always have that side smirk on their face, it's like I told you. It's like okay, now let's take that and let's build on that and let's keep going. So that's that's one of the parts I love the most mm-hmm. um, with kids. I you know I I had a etiquette on on our, on, uh, on the odds this year away. Uh, we we're working with just a give-and-go, a uh, real active skating defenseman and things like that, and I was talking with him. I'm like, look, I, I love the fact that you like to go coast-to-coast, coast. And, and even to the point where I, I started yelling at him, like, look, you got to start if, – if you're going to go and you've got guys that are open up in front of you up, up the ice, use them. Use them in a give-and-go. The people won't know what to do or how to work around with you. I said, you got to try it, and I was hammering, hammering, hammering them. And uh, you know, even to the point where I kind of got on him, I'm like, "Look, you're just you're just not playing smart." Like, fantastic, I'm glad you got a shot, and maybe you even scored that time. But uh, when they did it, and then they kind of saw how it opened up the game for them, came back to the bench. I, I kind of gave him a big hug. I'm like, "Look, see, like that's what I've been trying to teach you, and that's what I've been trying to do for you, and I try and help you. you. You can't just you're just not a great player if you if you, all you think." that matters our goals and, and getting it down to the other end because dad's yelling go 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 kind of thing. So
1: um and then do you have any advice for some youth hockey parents out there right now?
0: Um, you know there's always the, the cliches of uh you know enjoy the time, you know, no, you know, enjoy the rides to practice and things like that. You know, when I when I look at some of the parents, the, the biggest thing I would probably give to parents would be understand what's going on in the team and Mm -hmm. i say that because there's nothing more annoying than hearing parents yell from the stands something that's contradictory to what the coach is telling them um i've been i've been on both sides of the bench and in the stands and uh you know my my ultimate favorite is when there's you know 30 seconds left and the mom down two rows in front of you is yelling shoot shoot like why that's not what we're teaching and and you know you know little billy can hear you so i i would say as a hockey parent if you're going to get into this and you're going to take it seriously uh, and your kids are taking it seriously understand what the coach is teaching you know whether that's chatting with the coach and things like that or it's um you know asking your player like okay well what does coach want you to do is yeah. it, it, for you know for a breakout or if you're attacking if you don't know what a breakout or a or a a zone entry or something is then ask go go to youtube or something like that but the more that you understand the game as a parent and the more that you understand it as a fan the better you'll appreciate what's going on and i think the better relationship you'll have with your kid too because you get a lot of these cadillac coaches as i like the term uh, you know where people are talking to their kids on the way home or or, a reality like this you need to do this and that it's like well maybe the coach told them to do something different and so now the kids got it coming in both ears right they got mom and the, mom or dad in this year and, and coach in this year and, and whatnot. So I would say my tip coming from a coach who's also a dad and and a former player is understand what's going on and uh, make sure that then what you're yelling from the stands is appropriate in terms of the game. This yeah. um, is kind of sounding stupid, to be honest. So.
1: Yeah, and that, that's totally true. And that's one of the things, too, is for new parents out there, too, I know that sometimes you get this, Um, you get a level of uncertainty what the what's going on and I always tell parents like if you have a question just ask please because I'd rather have you understand what I'm trying to teach than having one someone else telling you the wrong thing or two you assuming something else and that's to me is what where a lot of the the discrepancy and the void is between coaches and, and parents sometimes and that can create a that can create a little line between us. Yeah. and I, I don't like having that line. I like to have that open communication um, with parents, and, and I, I invite parents to come, you know, listen to what I'm teaching. This is what I'm trying to get you to understand right now. And as soon as, as more parents start understanding that, the easier it is for that line to go away and then for us to have communication. And then I also love the right. fact that you take it one step further with parents. And once they start understanding what, what you're doing – then they can start understanding it to their kids and better explaining it to their kids. And then they can even get involved in the conversation of how to better things. And like, there's a lot of parents I know out there that have given me tips on things that I don't see, you know, and something happened in the yeah. game. I'm like, oh, good point. Like, but they knew yeah. what I was doing. They knew that what I was trying to instill in the kids. And then they saw it from a vantage point that I hadn't seen. And that helps me as sure. a coach, but it's because that communication there. Um, right. And uh, last question for you. I ask it every mm-hmm. time. I want you to go back 20 something years and I want you to talk to a 12, 13 year old Ryan Winnie and you can give him one piece of advice. What would that advice be?
0: You know, um, it was enjoy the game and uh, enjoy the game and, and have fun. Uh, I know you said 12, 13 year old. Uh, The the thing that I kind of equated to, I equated to a little bit, uh, a little bit differently in the sense of that that age of a kid. Um, although I will say I did like Coach Rulli's, uh comments last week of, of better hands. I mean, I mentioned earlier, I have stoned hands; uh, They're awful. and I wish I would have had better hands. We didn't have YouTube and all that fun stuff back then. Yeah. But my biggest thing that I would say to a younger player is play the game as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Love the game. Enjoy it. Um I never went and played juniors. I don't know if it would have made me any better, things like that, but keep playing the game. If you can play hockey in college, whether it be a, a club team and intramurals team, uh, the varsity team, whatever it is, if you can keep playing and it fits in your schedule, and you have to keep playing the game, keep playing the game, keep enjoying it. As long as you love it keep going. If, if you think you can go, you know, try and play at another level, go try, Yep. go try, you know, go. If you, if, you, there's plenty of time in life to where you can sit behind a cubicle and some um, computer monitors, or 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 swinging a hammer, whatever it might be. There's plenty of time to do that stuff in your life. But uh, go enjoy the game as a kid while you have the time and and, and whatnot as much as you can. And uh, go keep playing, see what happens.
1: Yeah, and I'm still like, waiting to
0: be drafted, but haven't yeah. it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I think that's an awesome point because
1: I I talk to a lot of. Uh, Lot of coaches and we at my rink here we have an NCAA team we have an NCAA men's and women's team and then we also have an ACHA team at our at our rink and one of the things is, is that I understand that not every kid's going to make the NCAA you know we were fortunate they were able to play four years of NCAA hockey experience what it's like and it was amazing but sometimes that doesn't work out for some kids and they, then they think the dream's over but I always tell kids it's not over like there are plenty of great opportunities for you at the ACHA level. Like and maybe you don't even have to play ACHA. Maybe it's intramurals. But the thing is, like you shouldn't quit the game just because you didn't reach your what you thought your goal was. Like if I would have quit because I didn't make the NHL, well, I would have missed out on four great years at Lawrence. And I tell kids yeah. like maybe your goal was NCAA D three. You don't hit it, go ACHA. If it's not ACHA, go play the intramurals. The biggest thing is yeah. you play the game. You play the game because it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. Play the game. that's what matters you play to have fun play the game
0: absolutely yeah. absolutely
1: so uh that's all the questions i have for you do you have any last things you'd like to add or anything else like that
0: i don't I, I, not off the top of my mind here uh you know i appreciate the time to yep. sit down and chat with you it's always fun to catch up uh, on a hockey level and a personal level uh, you know been friends for a long time yep. and uh we work together a lot so it's 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 always good and fun to get together, and uh, I appreciate the time.
1: Yep. Well, uh, at that everybody, that's it for today's episode. Uh, we'll be downloading it on our Facebook Live page so you can check it out in a little bit. But, Brian, thanks again for coming out, and uh, best of luck to you.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate yep. it. We'll talk
1: to you soon. Bye. Bye.